This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com. Your source for all things Kratom. As a lifeguard at 16, Dion Evans tried to save a boy from drowning, injured her leg, and had a cast put on too tight. This led to many complications, including amputations, decades of severe pain, 240 surgeries, and being cut off opioids cold turkey. She currently researches and advocates for Kratom and plant medicine. This is Dion Evans, and this is her amazing Kratom story. You have quite a story, and your name is Dion Evans. That's how it's pronounced, right? Yes, it is. Because <laughs> when I tried to uh, email you, it I put your email in, and it said mustard. <laughs> Everyone calls me mustard. Because it's yeah. spelled Dijon. Is that a French name? Um, well, my mom's name was Diane, and my dad's name was John, J-O-N. So my mom being the clever person she was before she heard of Dijon, France, um, she put D-I-J-O-N. And I know we have a mutual friend, Nina Iden, and she also has a silent J in her last name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's cool. She, she said you're a warrior, so I think that's a good compliment. <laughs> yes, so is she. You know, from the commercial you did for um, the American Creative Association, it was it was uh, it was really good. It was really effective. It was so you were lifeguard when you were sixteen, and you got an injury, and yeah. you got a cast for that injury. And so, what happened with all that? Um, at sixteen, I I was a lifeguard. I got my foot caught in a hole on the outside of the pool as I was trying to save a young boy. And I had a cast put on too tight. The cast was to my lower leg, and it was only on four days. Um, I tried desperately to get it off before that, but the doctor said I didn't know what I was talking about. I had never had a cast before and just needed to leave it alone. (sighs) It cut off the circulation and it killed the nerve. Because it took so long for them to treat and diagnose the damage, even after the cast was removed, the damage spread. Um, that was in 1979, June of 1979. Mm. In September of 87, I had my first amputation. In between that time, I'd thrown two pulmonary embolisms, blood clots through my lungs, and both almost killed me. Um, I had other bouts with blood clots. I had sepsis, um, blood poisoning, I have had over 243 operations Wow! between 1979 and um, I think my last operation was a year ago. Uh, I have been on my deathbed far more times than I'm comfortable thinking about um i've been a guinea pig i've had treatments that they no longer do because now they have found that it actually makes the condition worse anytime my skin is touched or i'm the wind blows a fan comes on somewhere my skin burns as if someone is holding a torch to it. Um, it at the same time, I get very sharp shooting electrical jolts that make my limbs jerk uncontrollably, and I can't stop it. Um, 
they happen about every three to four seconds. And even my partner, James, has tried to like hold my limbs down when they start. My body contorts into very unnatural positions. Um, the longest flare has lasted, uh, I think I'm going on three weeks with this one. And um, it's, it's very difficult. It's also called the suicide disease. Um, and this is I've, chronic regional pain syndrome. Is that is that what it's called? Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. They have done um, bilateral lumbar sympathectomies where they've gone into my lumbar spine and they've cut thirteen different nerves, and they've gone into my brachial plexus, which is above the collarbone in the neck, and done the same there. Because of those surgeries, it has caused irreparable, irreversible damage to my sympathetic uh, nervous system. Yeah. My body doesn't regulate temperature, my my heartbeat, my pulse, uh, hormones, everything. My body just doesn't regulate it because it's been... It was messed up by the nerve damage and the nerve damage spreading, but it's also been seriously messed up by by the surgeries that I've had. Yeah, so, I mean, this is all stems out of your injury and and, and the treatment for your injury, which... You know, treatment is probably a bad word for some of that stuff. Huh? Is, is that right? So, like, all your blood clots and everything just came from from yeah. stem from that injury. What were you uh, studying at medical school? Um, I wanted to go into neurosurgery. Yeah. Um, and it stemmed from at first. I started wanting out to go into orthopedic surgery because the first amputation that I had was truly a blessing. Um, for many years, I was pain-free and it, it stopped the, the constant uh, with my leg there with the constant infections with everything just recirculating through my system, it, it was keeping me sick and it was keeping, it, it was allowing the damage to spread and it was weakening my entire system. So I ran into this one orthopedic doctor, Dr. Richard Henderson, who believed in me enough. They had all wanted to do a full leg amputation, but I told him I would rather go through two amputations knowing that a below knee would not work rather than always wondering if it would have worked. Mm -hmm. Full leg amputations are very difficult, especially because my bones had been weakened considerably from all the damage. Mm -hmm. I've had um, 13 bouts of osteomyelitis, which is chronic bone infections. And um, my, my bones just don't regenerate the calcium and and the the natural process of bone breakdown and bone rebuilding that most people do on a normal basis my bones break down faster than they can rebuild and this is all from that cast yeah 
I, um, so I ran into this orthopedic doctor and he gave me the benefit of the doubt and did the below knee amputation and was just very supportive and very, uh, very encouraging. I became his shadow and um, it really did change my life. And then being in an abusive marriage, uh, my daughter and I were almost killed. Um, I was strangled and that's what really set the nerve damage back on track. Just that shock to my nerves once again um, exacerbated it. Yeah. So you had to deal with that too. God, man. So (laughs) is there any, I mean, geez, you, 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 you had a lot of stuff thrown at you there with with the all. I mean, is there any uh, pain, painful thing that you haven't gone through? Maybe we should list this. <laughs> I, I, we're not going to jinx anything here. Yeah, they have. <laughs> She's not going to Oh, wow. I mean, do you get, I mean, this all stemmed from you trying to save somebody that was drowning and you got an injury. Do you ever, do you have like a lot of anger and, and is that tough to deal with? And, and I just had a general question about how mentally do you survive in in general? I don't even know if you can explain it to anybody that hasn't been through all this. I did have a lot of anger. Um, and I felt like I was being punished. For what? Mm. I didn't know. Um, But, yeah, it... I was never sorry for trying to save this little boy. Mm -hmm. Um, I became very angry with the medical profession because a lot of times... Doctors can make things a lot worse for patients than than they seem to help a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the nerve damage I had, there was also, there's been so much research on it, and yet they still have, they want to change names of it more then they seem to want to find out how to help people who have it. And the trauma of being told that something is all in your head or you're hysterical or, or it's um, uh, someone is trying to get attention. I'm sorry. If I was trying to get attention, I could think of far more ways than thinking and stating about the most painful condition that is known to humans when i mean even when it comes to you know in- intimacy wanting to be touched and but yet cringing at touch it's very difficult trying to explain to people, you know, no, I'm sorry, I can't use gels or I can't, I, it's yeah. windy today. I'm not going outside, you know, or no, I can't use those sheets because having them touch my legs, they're too scratchy. And people want to say, you know, oh, if you wanted to bad enough, you would. Or if it meant enough to you, you would. Oh, that must be having frustrating. Having family, yeah, having family turn away and abandon you because they can't deal with what you go through and have no problem telling you 
that they can't deal with what you go through before they stop and think about what it's like to not just go through it, but the trauma of people turning away from you who you've grown up with, you've grown up within the same home or, or just people who have always said, I would never do that to you. I'll always be there. Um, I think all that was harder than the condition for the longest amount of time. My minor in college was psychology that helped a great deal. Um, I was mad at God for a long time. Sorry, I don't know if you want religion brought into this. Yeah, go ahead because I was just thinking about this because uh, um, I'm 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 going to a funeral after this, and and uh, my my niece's uh, boyfriend's dad just died, and she lost her mom, my sister, and. I wonder, and the uh, sermon was really good. The bishop uh, that gave, at my sister's funeral, he just spoke to the kids and said, "You might be uh, mad at God or something like that, or you know, and it's okay." But yeah, I I, I definitely want to hear that. I was I was very mad, very mad at God for the longest time, and I had people who even said boy, you must have done something pretty terrible to be being punished like you are. People have such simple uh, explanations that <laughs> they they can go to bed at night with. I, uh, it's, it must no, be so and, frustrating. You know, it's like I would think and think and think, and it's like I I was a good kid. You know, I didn't get in trouble. I didn't go out and and do things that most normal teenagers do. Um, I was very responsible. I was the oldest of four. We just, my father, <laughs> my father was a police officer. And I think I was more afraid of him than actually going out and doing anything. Yeah. Not that he was abusive. Uh, I just knew I would get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that yeah, any I, of that is a terrible sin either. I mean, geez. <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, Book of Job. I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I keep thinking about is, you know, God just throws yeah. all this stuff at Job for no reason. And then it's like, well, screw you god what are you doing to this guy this to that guy for is it and do you feel is, like that this really helped me when i met dr richard henderson because um him and his wife his wife was my daughter's pediatrician um they were seventh day adventist and i had been searching i don't know how long for something, something that kind of made sense to me. But a lot of it was hard to make sense out of anything with the levels of medications I was on also. The amount of morphine that I was on daily on a regular basis and then the breakthrough meds and the muscle relaxers and and Neurotin and all these other medicines, the side effects, they just mess with your head so bad. And, and then I was taken off because of the 2016 guidelines. I yeah. was not given any weaning down period or any warning or any, I, I had never failed a test. 
That was um, my big bullet point that I wanted to talk about because people don't realize that it, it, in the, uh, I mean, we see documentaries about uh, some of these uh, nefarious uh, doctors who just basically ran a drug dealing operation in Florida or whatnot, but the response to that is more insane than the actual <laughs> crisis, I think, which is just taking people cold turkey off their meds. Is that what happened to you? Yes, it is. I went in um, one day for my my typical pain pill count and urine test or blood test and was turned away. There was no warning. There was no no anything just told, oh, it's it's against the law. Now we are no longer prescribing. And I had knew about the guidelines and I said to them, they are guidelines. Yes. These are not laws. And uh, I was turned away. No matter how sick I became afterwards, there was no consideration. And of everything that I've been through, I'll tell you, the withdrawals from all those medications was far worse far worse wow. than anything I had ever been through. Wow. I never felt of all the times I've been told I'm terminal and I've been close to death. I never felt like I was going to die like I did going through the withdrawals. Wow. And, and so is this where you um, found out about Kratom and, and started taking it or had you known about it before? Um, I, thought I heard about something um, and I believe it was 2016 when everyone showed up in Washington. Yeah. But I was a medical student. I was definitely um, I definitely did not believe in herbs. I was very indoctrinated by the medical system and uh, there's a pill for this. There's a pill for that. Pharmaceutical companies are just, you know, the greatest ever because they're out to cure everyone. Well, I'm sorry if they cure everyone they they run themselves out of business. There is no intent. They have no intention of curing anyone of anything. That's my opinion, mm -hmm. obviously. But being on both sides of this, I was definitely, um, I had my head in the sand. I did not believe in herbs. I did not believe in natural supplements. Um, I laughed. I laughed at the entire thing. And then mm. when I was... Uh, taken off of all my medications um, I started making plans on how I was going to take my own life without James or my daughter and my grandkids oh, suffering the ill effects of that or any kind of legal issues that might come down and I was talking with a friend on Facebook in one of my lapidary groups. And someone was reading along, I guess, the messages when I was talking about the pain and that I just couldn't do it. He said, I think I have something that will help you. And... Uh, you know, if you're interested, please PM me. So I did. And I started researching and looking it up. I talked with some very respected uh, relatives and even Dr. Henderson. I looked him up and got in touch with him, asked him if he had heard about it and what he thought. Um. But I had nothing to lose. I have a man who loves me, 
I have a beautiful daughter and I have three wonderful grandkids. And I had a date, a date and time to where I knew I was going to end my own life. So what did I have to lose? Because I didn't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Um, that's why I've fought so hard to stay alive all this time. Mm. Uh, but the mail, <laughs> the mail didn't get here when it was supposed to. And that two days turned into a week. I was on my way out the door. I had a friend come over and get me ready and get help get me out of bed and get me in my wheelchair. And when she left, I was on my way out the door when the mailman showed up with my package. And I just figured, you know, hey, um, what do I have to lose? So I came back in and I tried it. And when James came home, um, he saw me sitting on the couch instead of in bed. And I was smiling. Um, a genuine smile. Because, yes, I still had pain, but it was no longer intolerable. Yeah. And all we could do is cry because all this time, all this time, all I believed in was pills. And here was something. Here is something. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit um, choked up because it's very, very emotional for me to know that there is something out there that could help so many people, not just with pain, but it's done wonders for me with the depression and all the trauma that I've been through through all of this. I've been able to take a deep look within myself and find who I used to be and learn from everything that I've been through and let go of that anger. Let go of that, oh, I must be being punished. Shit happens. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) That's all right. This isn't going on TV or anything. Happens, you know yeah yeah and and bad things happen to good people it doesn't mean they're being punished yeah. it doesn't mean that god doesn't love them or they were bad in a past life if that's what you believe in or if you don't even believe in god it doesn't mean that you're a bad person yeah bad stuff happens and generally there are consequences to those bad things, whether you've been addicted to medicine that people told you you couldn't get addicted to and you were. So you're kicking yourself thinking you're a bad person. No, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Even if you got addicted to something because you did drugs, it still doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. If something happened to you from an accident or a birth defect, whatever. And Kratom doesn't work for everyone, just like pills don't. Yeah. But the majority of the people out there could really benefit from at least trying it. And the thing that's going to give it a bad name is the FDA saying it's comparable to heroin. Because people who want to get high or who are trying to self-medicate or are running away from whatever in their past that they are trying to run away from, 
they're going to turn and look to use it in the wrong way. Yeah, People really. People can die from taking too much water. Yeah. And and I I even see it as you know people that are getting high are and people that become addicts are trying to heal emotional pain on some level, that's and so it's so true. it's all medical to me. I, I, I that's how I see yeah. it, and you know it's just like they're not they're not bad people because they want to get high and that's, and yeah, that's feel something. You know, it's like. Just because someone is addicted to something and they're self-medicating, trying to stop, even if it's mental or emotional pain, yeah, it's still pain, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get rid of it. So explain to me why the FDA and the government and DEA can be going after Kratom so hard, but heroin meth and everything else that you can get off the street is still on the street and 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 you they don't know what they're getting like i had i have a friend whose son just od'd on fentanyl he's alive and he he got through it but he 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 didn't know the strength he was getting and that's the thing it's it's they're trying to do that with kratom they're trying to put that underground, make it illegal so, you know, somebody uh, nefarious uh, dealer might spike it with uh, fentanyl and and I, I just think all these things should be not illegal and they should be we should deal with it in, 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 in a way that is overground, you know Yeah, look at magic mushrooms, I know that's way off course here Mm-hmm. But look at what it's doing for our vets, yeah, who have PTSD. Mm-hmm. They're they're not taking it to get high. They're taking such a minute amount, but it's healing the brain. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing with kratom. I, I, they probably will develop it into a pharmaceutical and some of the alkaloids, and it might be helpful. But but I think uh, you know it, it should be available. They're going to change it. It's no longer going to be Kratom. It's not. I think that that if you don't take it as a whole, I don't think the benefits are going to be the same. And I think that might be where people will run into problems. And then everyone's going to turn around and say, see, Kratom is dangerous. No, it's not. It's that you are messing with it and you're not taking it as a natural substance. You're altering it and you're adding chemicals to it and you're strengthening it or you're you're taking the isomer of it. You're not benefiting from it as a whole. You're no longer using it as a symbiotic substance you're trying to make a medicine and profitable medicine remember i was diagnosed with um breast cancer oh you were oh man so and i'm not i don't think my body is strong enough to undergo chemo or radiation not that i would go that way anyway um so i'm going the uh fico and uh not rso but the fico route all natural alternatives what what is that what is uh fico uh, is that a um acronym for something fico is um yes it is and you would ask me that <laughs> yeah i'm just learning uh a lot of it it's the decarboxylated process of marijuana and the cannabinoids it is supposed to uh really help people and they've said they've actually used the word cure uh people from specific types of cancer and this is one of them 
have you ever, you know, I know I'm going to say it's for my mom because I know she would tell you, but have you ever heard of SCACT? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. My mom took that um, when she had brain cancer, and she is convinced that that is what cured her cancer, although she did all the regular medical stuff, too. However, her type of brain cancer should have killed her, uh, but uh, and her doctors were saying that was the fastest uh, reversing of shrinking of tumors and whatnot that I'll send you a link. Excuse me. I would really appreciate that. Yeah, brain yeah. cancer is usually definitely very aggressive. My grandpa died of brain cancer. Yeah, I had a sister. We lost the, I lost a sister from brain cancer of a really aggressive tumor. They're finding out that one of the alkaloids um, of kratom has anti-cancer properties um as well as for parkinson's yeah which uh, alkaloid is that i came across that as well um i believe it's picolamine but okay i am gonna have to look again i would just sent it to someone also um i think i saw that and it's new and it's like uh, oh i gotta look yeah, into this type thing it's new yeah yeah and they, I think, are really trying to be hush-hush about it. I, I've i actually found quite a few sites that um, Kratom is actually a medicine in Switzerland, um, India, uh, Germany, and a couple of other foreign countries. They have it either from a spray a rub-on, or medicinal pills. Really? I didn't even know that, like, doctors prescribe it. Yes. Yes, they do. And the FDA keeps wanting to say that, oh, no, there's been no human studies, and (laughs) um, we don't have enough research done on it. Excuse me, you've been researching Kratom since 1869. There is like, and I I just had uh, Doctor Prajelic, who's done a yeah. lot of the the, the yeah. primary kratom research, and he was, and I was like, yeah, there's stuff going back to the seventies, like I know something. You know, and he was like, oh, it's before that. He's like, that's just the stuff on the internet, you whippersnapper. Right. You know, you have to go into yeah. the microfiche. Like, actually, I. I, I'm old enough that when I was in college, we were still, I was still looking stuff up on the film. <laughs> you had to go into one of those machines and actually find yeah. it. Um, but he's like, yeah, there's a ton of that stuff. And, and, um, yeah, like even Glaxo Smith Klein, like the precursor to them, yeah. uh, found in the mm-hmm. 70s that, uh, hey, this is a, a better uh, treatment for uh, opioid uh, withdrawal and whatnot. So they've mm-hmm. they've definitely known about it. Yeah, and the FDA keeps saying that they have never participated in any type of research, human trials, or uh, given any grants for any kind of backing or studies, and that is absolutely untrue. In 1923, there was a study, and in 1963 through 69, and I, my daughter calls me a nerd. I am, I love learning. I love research. Uh, I was happiest when I, I was a medical student before I had to take a, um, medical leave of absence and that is what i'm happiest doing is when i'm learning researching and and just burying my head in books the alkaloids we we call it the entourage effect we do a a portion of the podcast i do with this uh, neuroscientist named uh, dr john cachet and he he's did a lot of work in his phd on on just 
drug and general effects, but where we uh, look at Kratom, but he calls it the entourage effect. The same thing with cannabis. Like, uh, if you just take THC, it's different than smoking weed. Uh, yeah. it, and if you take Kratom, it's different than just taking my tragenine. Even if the alkaloids may may help with certain things but it's like that points to a question that i was going to ask you about like if you did still have access to opio opioids or opiates and and we didn't have this crazy uh, period of medicine we're going through where people who are clearly in pain need this and they're not getting it would would you go back to the uh, opioids or or what does kratom do that's that's better than the, than uh, the opioids there are times that i definitely need something stronger than kratom mm-hmm. um so would i take them occasionally yes yeah there are times that yeah yes i would would i take them all of the time absolutely not um Mm -hmm. kratom doesn't mess with my head i do not feel high it doesn't leave me with a brain fog it doesn't leave me with other side effects that i need to take something else for to deal with the side effects would i ever consider going back to them long term absolutely not Mm. and this is why now dealing with cancer i i know what's coming isn't going to be pleasant but i have stocked up on my kratom and i have found also akuma and um i i mean even the simplest item like black cumin i had no clue how many anti-inflammatory properties black cumin has really black cumin okay (laughs) i mean seasonings nutmeg cinnamon cloves all these things Uh, i it's just and i don't know why um i never i mean everyone especially you know going to medical school it's like okay yes morphine's made from poppies i was a chemistry major but i never i don't know i just never thought about the isolates and and the alkaloids and i I was just so much into the medicine part that I never I never thought about plant medicine. I never sat down and really thought, hey, okay, now maybe opium from a poppy isn't as bad as everyone wants to sit there and say it is. But instead, it's because it's been altered and picked apart. And that commercial showed you put you put a little kratom in a blender. Do you is that like a toss and wash thing, or do you make a tea um, out of it? Part of my throat is paralyzed from the nerve damage, so I can't do toss and wash. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have this. I found this little mini blender, and because I got tired of shaking shaking it up with a little bit of orange juice mm-hmm. and I really got into making smoothies. When I make my, my Kratom drink, I usually add Akuma seed powder, Encarvia sinesis, and now I also add uh, black cumin into it. But... I would either mix it with orange juice or vanilla chai tea, or now I have found, oh, carrot juice is a perfect one if you really don't like the taste. Mm. Um, But I have found this juice called the Green Machine. It's got bananas, kiwi, peach, and I don't know, other things. But if people steer away from it because they can't stomach the taste 
those are perfect solutions to use it and not worry about the taste. Mm. Because if there's anything that is horrendous tasting, it's Akuma. It tastes like bile. There's no, no <laughs> what, way. What does Akuma uh, do? What is it? Is really the only thing that comes close to helping me with those sharp shooting pains. Mm. It, it feel like I'm being electrocuted from the inside out. Mm. And the Akuma, it's a a seed from Africa. It's a tree seed. It is the most horrendous thing that you could ever taste. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bitter. It's just, oh, it's bad. And this is coming from a person who drinks Kratom, too, so everybody take that yeah. to heart. <laughs> um, the, first, the first time I did, I was drooling all over because I did not want to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a towel underneath my chin. I was trying to brush my tongue. I was trying to eat. That's anything. how you know it works. Because <laughs> why the hell would like that's what's what I tell people about kratom tea? It, if you don't really need it, it's self-limiting. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, why would I have ever done it a second time if yeah. if it didn't work after that? <laughs> but yeah, I have no qualms anymore. Um, in fact, I will, when it gets real bad, I'm afraid of even waiting that 20 minutes before it kicks in. I'll just suck on a seat. There is a hint. If you have a little piece of chocolate afterwards and just let it melt on your tongue, it will get rid of most of the taste. But um, that taste just does not go away for the longest amount of time. Um, except for with this green machine juice. And no, I don't get kickbacks from naming anything. I've tried just about everything to to get rid of the taste of the Akuma primarily. Yeah. But um, I did a... The California um, Save Kratom Rally with Kim DeMont in Sacramento, I think I had been taking Kratom for seven months at that point. And um, I had a brother-in-law in Thailand who was a professor there. And he gave me the instructions on how to make tea with Kratom. And... People, even police officers going by, listening to the rally, um, no one had any idea what Kratom was, but no one walked off all drunk or loaded or high <laughs> either after having a cup of it. I yeah. made seven gallons of tea for that rally. Oh, wow. And um, we had all kinds of people coming up and asking if they could taste it. No one could understand why we were having to have a rally because they just said, wow, you know, I either I deal with arthritis or I deal with this or I suffer from depression. And they're like, I can't believe how good I feel. Not good high, just quote-unquote normal that's totally what i hear from from people about uh about with kratom and it's just like it makes me feel like me again you know uh, people that have gone through you know chronic pain and stuff it's it's not it it's just really obviously crazy as to why they're like why do you think they're trying to ban it like as a person who's been through the ringer of uh, the medical system and everything and uh, why do you is it just to so they can control what type of medicine they give us and they all get the money and or what do you think the motives are I think if you want to find out a lot of things, you need to find out where the money, follow the money. Yeah. But um, there's no way that the pharmaceutical companies or, or, I mean, hello, the government also profits 
um, the, the entire medical system. I don't think every single doctor is bad. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. And I'm not saying there is no place for, for pills because there is mm-hmm. just not shoved down everyone's throats. We're supposed to be a free society. And when you tell people that they can't take natural alternatives or dietary supplements because the FDA can't profit from it or the pharmaceutical agencies, Mm. companies can't profit from it or whoever can't regulate it. That's not free. That's at a cost. And it's not only at a physical cost to many, more, unfortunately, more often, uh, we have no psychiatric care for people who need it. Look at our homeless situations. Mm-hmm. Look at the people living on the street. Look at our vets who come home from wars fighting to protect these opium fields. Um, Sorry, I won't go down the rabbit hole. Go ahead, yeah. No, you're exactly Um, right. But we have all these people who need psychiatric care. And it's just not offered anymore. Or if it is, most people can't afford it. Yeah. I have benefited as much, if not more, from the well-being, the mental uh, healing, and the ability to look back at everything And be able to accept it and walk away from it through Kratom as I have physically from it helping me with the pain. It's done just as much for me emotionally and mentally as it has physically. And, and I think it's something that is really needed in our society. Thank you so much, Dion Evans, for that gift. Please like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and listen to other episodes of Kratom Stories and interviews with scientists as well as Journal Club. The music is by Risey. The song is called Memories of Thailand. The Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.